0: on a bigger scheme i don't like the the idea of safety and security that we have is an illusion in life like and i believe entrepreneurs deal better with a crisis because like we constantly have the lack of
1: safety
2: Another day, another task. Think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions I see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope wait, then I roll up my sleeve.
1: hello everyone welcome to successfulish i'm sarah michelle and today i am hanging out with ralph cooper one of my friends from germany Uh, ralph has been a lifelong entrepreneur who started his first company at the age of 14 and he's currently the ceo of scalpo a company that builds and handles all kinds of fun techie things like websites and mobile apps his interest in technology, combined with a passion for business, have exposed him to many successfulish opportunities, and apart from business, he is the father of two kiddos and married to his wife, Elizabeth. So, Ralph, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Before we jump in, what is something that you failed at this week? What's something that you're figuring out?
0: Um, it... I have thought about it because you sent me the question before and I was like, this is like, so my family is not with me. So my typical areas of failure are out of the question because I'm not upsetting anyone physically right now, but I probably failed at delivering at work this week. Um, Like I'm, an, I'm naturally optimistic. So I tend to overpromise because I'm like, oh yeah, that would be fine. I can do that. And then I can't. So probably this week, that one for sure, but I also feel like that's ongoingly a failure that I produce. So there we go.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's a tough one. I've struggled with that too, of really realistically. I always think that things are gonna be faster than they are. And especially if other people are involved, I always forget. To account in the fact of how much time it might take someone to give feedback or for something to bounce back and forth across an inbox 15 times.
2: Yeah,
0: and and like I'm a natural procrastinator too, like all my life, if there's a test due the night before was Mm -hmm. the time I actually looked at the stuff. And to be fair, that kind of worked for most of my life. So, you know, like, it's not that I run into these huge issues because of this, but now it still hasn't changed. So, like, if I have to meet a deadline, the night before is the night when I'm actually like, oh, crap, I got to do something. So um, it's kind of my own fault. But like, I feel like this is just like, in general, an interesting area of life to look at. Like, what are realistic expectations? How do people handle this, et cetera? So it's it's a fascinating topic.
1: Yeah, and I think that procrastination is kind of a superpower in and of itself, because I'm very similar where I, you know, I always said I drove my parents crazy because I would always tell them if I wait until the last minute, it'll only take me a minute. (laughs) And they hated that. And they were always getting on my case to jump on it earlier. But anytime I got a head start on a paper in school or studying on something, I would get Bs or Cs. I wouldn't do that well. And anytime I hammered out a paper in the lunch hour before it was due, I would get an A. And I think there's something about the, the last minute creative thinking that just I, for me, procrastination has made me more successful in many ways.
0: No, I, I'm with you. Um, I probably have done best on projects and tasks and exams and you name it when it was procrastinated. The areas that I failed at, like legitimately failed at, like, for example, one of my exams in, like, high school, was physics, and this was a tough class for me. And mind you, in Germany, where I did go to high school, they, it's like the first year of college is rolled into high school. So the, imagine this being like a college level physics class. Um, I was, I sucked. The teacher didn't like me, I didn't like him. And I liked the subject, but I only liked it on like a generic level, like kind of like bigger picture. I didn't like to actually come up with the correct numbers. And I studied like crazy for that. And I passed, but like barely, you know, on the other hand, other subjects, I could swing it like the night before and I had my A's and B's and whatever. So like, I'm like, I'm not sure that it's actually a problem of preparation or if I was just sucky at the subject, whether I studied for it a lot or not, you know, like kind of like what you're saying, procrastination is a superpower of sorts. And if procrastination didn't do it, then the problem was elsewhere. It wasn't that you had too little time to do it in most cases.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think it's been interesting just watching both of our lives sort of evolve because we met, I want to say a decade ago.
0: It probably Probably. is a decade ago. I think it was
1: about a decade. Um,
0: 2011, yeah. It was we were in
1: England, and it was a two week volunteer trip. where We were in this little town in England and I am going to talk a lot about all kinds of stuff that we did on that trip. But one thing that I remember is you talking about entrepreneurship and just being so excited about how great it was. And I remember you said something about, you know, you should think about being an entrepreneur. You'd be really great at that. And my response was to laugh and be like, absolutely not. Entrepreneurs are just flaky people with ideas who live in their parents' basements. And that's not something I ever wanna do with my life. And it was so funny, just the difference in opinion of I had zero interest in it. And then maybe a couple years ago um, was the first time we had reconnected since England. And I reached out about a mobile app. And I remember you completely called me out on it you were like, do you remember when you were dissing entrepreneurship and talking about how stupid it is? And now you're calling me and asking me about how to do a mobile app for entrepreneurs. Um, So I think it's been kind of funny to see how life has evolved. And I think that one thing and uh, one of the things I know that we're going to talk about today is being in that world of entrepreneurship, you sort of have to know a lot of stuff. And there's maybe the one specific thing that you're working at, but really being in entrepreneurship, being a business owner, one of the things that makes you really unique is that you have to have the ability to think and figure out all kinds of stuff in a diverse scope of work. So I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into entrepreneurship and sort of what put you in that space of being a very successful generalist?
0: Okay. So I like, let's start with, I'm a pragmatist. Like I don't like entrepreneurship for entrepreneurship's sake. I would never be an entrepreneurship professor. Like I started at the age of eight, I toyed around with like a programming tool. Like it's basically the thing that people had before smartphones replaced the thing and combined it with a cell phone like it was a thing where you can like have calendar entries and like it was called an organizer back then like a digital assistant organizer thing pdas um and like i was programming little things you would call them apps nowadays but back then it was just software at 8 years old and i thought it was cool like i wanted to to build stuff and just play with it and the idea that drove me was like to just create something kind of out of nothing um and I did that and then I toyed around with like like cell phone apps like remember like this is like two decades ago at this point but like when you had like cell phone apps that like were like really, really crappy compared to nowadays, but you had these little games like Snake and whatever, like you could play these things. and I was developing those. But what I figured out then is at fourteen that no one pays me to do that. And it's very difficult to make money in it because you need to be signed up as a distributor at like a website that sells these things. And it's just like, it's like making movies or whatever. It's not an industry where you just randomly as a 14 year old happen to make money at. But I figured out that people pay me to create websites. So I kind of switched gears and started making websites. And my motivation back then was partially to make money, to do what I like to create things and make money in the process. But then what got me onto like, like back then, I would even say like, I may just end up being a programmer or whatever, but there was this website and picture this website as like a kind of like pre-Facebook, pre-MySpace social media platform. And they were great, but they made one mistake. They commercialized it to the point where you had to pay for it. And I was like, well, that's sucky. Why don't I create the same thing? Just you don't have to pay for it. Um, So I did that. And from there, another social media site popped up that I created. And that one really took off sort of, at least for me back then, like at some point I had a thousand people sign up on a daily basis. Um, So that was my first success as like building a internet startup that actually returned some of the time investment, if you will. Um, and, but the, the thing that I guess is important to mention here is like, it wasn't so much about, oh, how can I make money or, or any of that? It was more like, here is a practical problem. How do I solve that? Is there a solution already? Like along the lines of, if someone else did that, I wouldn't have done it. It wasn't that I wanted to be, I was so invested into social media and creating this thing. It was more like, I need this for myself. So others need this too. Let's create a solution for it. And the, we call this process entrepreneurship, but that's a byproduct. It was really finding a solution for a problem. Um, so that's how I got into it. Um, and then I started to to build other things, had clients, Um did a bunch of things. And at 17, I'd reached the point where like it wasn't legal anymore to get that much money in without paying taxes on it. So my first company was started. And what's funny is my mom was the CEO because I was under, under the age of 18. So I couldn't legally sign anything. So my mom was officially the CEO of my company and um, she resigned and I became CEO six months later when I turned 18. And to this day, I'm using this company. Um, And yeah, from there on, it just developed in various directions. And um, I grew as a person and entrepreneur. Um, And here we are now.
1: That's awesome. I think one thing that is unique about people who sort of have that entrepreneurial bug is that there's this inherent sense of problem solving. Mm-hmm. Of, there's all kinds of problems, and they're not necessarily specific or related, or even a problem that we're looking for. Sometimes it's just um, it's just in front of us. And the other thing I think is interesting that you talk about being optimistic, because one thing that I found is that a lot of times I find with entrepreneurs or business owners, we tend to be I don't know if pessimistic is the right word, but we see all the problems. And that's why we're motivated to find solutions. And I don't know if you watch shows like Shark Tank or different um, pitch shows like that, but a lot of it is I was really annoyed that I didn't like the hairbrush, or I was really annoyed that I couldn't find a cutting board I liked, or I was really aggravated that I couldn't find a program that I worked. And so I have found that that's kind of one of those qualities of people are doing it wrong. I can do it better. Do you think you have any of that in you, that kind of, not a superiority complex, but kind of that idea. Oh yeah,
0: like, totally. Better.
1: We need to fix this.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Um, this is uh, this like, you're, you're naming it exactly. And by the way, I don't watch Tashak Tank. I never have. I'm not watching Silicon Valley either. And one of the reasons is I don't see value in me looking other people solve problems. Like, I'm like, I kind of want to solve my own problems like if it's an interesting company okay fine I'll look into it but um I take no joy really in the general field of entrepreneurship which is why I was saying like I wouldn't teach this because I'm like I'm way too pragmatic I'm like trying to solve my problem here and hopefully other people's problems too and that's a cool thing but um that's about the end of it I don't need to Necessarily dive deep into the theoretical concepts of how other people solve random problems, and so like I never really watched those shows. But yes, the, the general spirit is: I observe that there's a problem. What is the solution for that? Um, and you see this across the board with successful companies. Like you see this not just like with little companies and smaller companies. But like with p- companies that actually build products which is like the field that i've been in and i'm that i'm most passionate about um you see this the fix for a problem that can then be scaled up um and you see companies that fail or over the long term don't seem to be as successful as they were before when the problem ceases to exist exist for some reason um, a good example is for example myspace myspace solved the problem of like artists connecting to their audiences and somewhat like a social media thing like we would call it it was before facebook um, now facebook may well face that very same problem and i see this a lot with like i have an employee and, he's younger he's like 10 years younger than me he's not on Facebook and he has no desire to be so like it's almost like Facebook is turning into this old people network huh. um and that and that's not necessarily horrible like this is just the the way things go but you see like Facebook solved a problem but this problem is not a problem anymore because society learned to deal with the problem in various ways. Part of it is Facebook, but Facebook as a platform, not necessarily as a company because the company has more than just the social network, but the social network Facebook, the problem they initially solved isn't a problem anymore like it was back then. And so then the value decreases that Facebook provides.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so as entrepreneurs, you're always trying to figure out. What problems do I have and how do I fix those? That's, and you can see this, like, look at Airbnb, look at Stripe, look at any of those companies that are just skyrocketing. They did that. They were like, holy cow, here's a problem. Can we solve this? Um, and I think it's, it's probably the only thing that entrepreneurs have in common. Everything is, is so diverse in that field, but that's the one thing. You know it is a problem, you fix it, everyone else sees it, they love it, your product goes up, your company grows, and that's how it goes.
1: So I have what's probably a slightly controversial opinion on this, but before I share my thoughts, I want to ask the question, do you think that entrepreneurship is something that can be taught?
0: (laughs) Um, that is an excellent question. So I studied entrepreneurship in university, partially. um, And that's a whole separate story. But like, I had actual entrepreneurship classes, which were strange to me, because I went into them, I was like, what are you about to tell me like, like, what would this be and it basically is just like what you and I are talking about it's kind of like that it's like a big big case study on oh we did a couple of things and they turned on this and that way or whatever like you look at um Pandora or Spotify like how did they start how and you learn these general principles of like fundraising and having a business plan And the like, what is it like the four forces and like you have all these models in my personal experience, they can be helpful ish, but that they are not necessarily required. Like you have some companies and I have seen people start companies that on paper were perfect and they were total failures. And then you have other companies that on paper are horrible. And they are amazing in, like, the way they do. Like, look at Tesla. Like, Tesla on paper was a horrible idea. Like, electronic vehicles 15 years ago, that wasn't a thing. That wasn't something you would imagine. Now, it led to not make this a controversial topic, you, we need to tap into a lot either, but, like, you can still question face tesla's business model and all that like you can question is this a long term thing or is this just a hype but needless to say it paid off for what it was started to do like they saw a problem and they attempted to solve it and then the process they themselves and a lot of other people got rich and they provided part of what we would consider a solution now whether it's long term or not it paid off but Tesla certainly wasn't a picture perfect company on paper when they started, you know, similar with SpaceX too, where like flying to Mars, like that's not exactly what people teach you as a feasible problem that you want to solve. Yet somehow there is perceived value in there. And that's, I think a good thing to think about too. Like what is the value versus perceived value and, um, um, and are you in a position to address that properly? Like, is like if I wanted to start a SpaceX, would I be successful? And the answer is no, I'm no Elon Musk. I don't have a couple million to just blow on this and have the connections to find the right investors, etc. So like, um, I can tell you a bunch of problems that I see that I would like to fix, but I'm in no position to do so at the moment.
1: Right. Yeah, I... I personally, I don't think that you can teach anyone how to be an entrepreneur. I think that you Mm -hmm. can teach entrepreneurs things that they should think about. So I think that the advantage that I see that there's huge benefit in case studies. I'm all for learning from other people's mistakes so that I don't have to learn from my own. I'm all for learning um, basic business principles, but... I my degree was in advertising and public relations, and I had an official degree in that field. I worked in the ad agencies. I worked for a, a global finance company and marketing. And what has made me successful as an entrepreneur is understanding everything I did in those traditional roles in education and throwing it all out the window and doing it differently. And what I see with really successful entrepreneurs is that they they're able to think outside the constraints and they're able to see how the constraints are constraining, if that makes sense. They're able to see how things can be better. And I know one example of that, we had a guest on the podcast early in season one, uh, Mark Zarbara, who had a degree or went to college for entrepreneurship. And he ended up deciding, you know what, this is not for me. And he kind of threw it all out the window and then ended up going the entrepreneurial route. It was like even being taught entrepreneurship was too much structure. And I think, I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from case studies and from other people. But I think at the end of the day, if you don't have it in you to figure things out and to be brave enough to do things differently and to be bold enough to try things to make mistakes, to to experiment. I don't think that you can teach that to someone. I think you can inspire someone, you can encourage someone, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that you can teach someone, here's how to live bravely. Here's how to learn how to solve problems. Here's how to figure things out. I think you just have to put people in a situation and say, here it is. You're either going to figure it out or you're not.
0: No, I'm with you there, like 100%. I don't, which is like, I didn't specifically answer that. But no, I don't think you can teach entrepreneurship, you can teach people things that turn out to be helpful along the way. But like, I have seen a bunch of people study entrepreneurship, to then work as employees for startups and do somewhat helpful things with other entrepreneurs. But like, they didn't start anything themselves. And like, and and there is, there are always these hypes and these bubbles, but like entrepreneurship, when I went to school for it was somewhat of a bubble. Like people would talk about it and like you had all these founder events and um, startup conferences and all this stuff. And every time I went to one of these or got to know people from there, people were always super excited. But it's like a hundred people are excited to out of those start a company. You know, like there is a lot more excitement generically than there is willingness to actually risk something.
1: Yeah.
0: Um so like with my children, for example, if and some people just aren't entrepreneurs, and that's okay. That is perfectly fine. Like I would never say everyone should or needs to, whatever. But like with my kids, if they are prone to this sort of thing, um like, I would just let them lose and be like, yeah, if you have an idea, do it. Worst thing that happens is you fail, and you know why you fail, and you'll be better next time. Like, there is no, it's like walking, you can't walk for someone, you can help them, you can pick them up, you can, you can facilitate, but they got to do it themselves, and they will fall, and stand up, and walk, and then run, you know, like, it's, it's learning by doing, it's not It's not something you inherently can teach in an academic way like you could math or something like that.
1: Right. And I think that's an interesting point to bring up too, is a lot of times we think of entrepreneurship and we just think of the fun part of having the idea and creating something. And I know like when we talked in England, that was in my head, that's how I had always heard of entrepreneurs Those are those flaky people who have all these big dreams and inventions, and then they never actually see them through. And I think that there is a difference between the creative idea having and the actual work ethic commitment. I am willing to work 80 hours a week so that I don't have to work a 40 hour work week. There's kind of a resilience and a drive and a Um, Just a really incredible strength and work ethic, I think, is required to be really successful in entrepreneurship. And I think part of that and one of the most important qualities for anything in life, but particularly if you're going to start a business, is self-awareness. I think you have to know yourself well enough to know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and to know, okay, if I just want this one piece of it, if I want it to be successful, I need to go find other people to do Mm -hmm. the other half of it. And I think that that's something I see a lot working with business owners is I, I talk to business owners who say, you know, yeah, I really wanna make six figures or I really wanna make seven figures. I really wanna scale the company, but they kind of only wanna work five to 10 hours a week. They don't really want to, they don't understand the cost it takes to reach the vision that they have. I think that's a really important piece of that self-awareness is really understanding how much do you actually care about this? And if you're not committed to it, if you don't really care about it, that's okay. But if you're kind of going in half-assed, not really caring about it, you're really doing yourself a disservice as well as everyone else, because you're just going to be hating life while you're trying to launch a career without everything that you need.
0: Right. And one of my long-term business partners, um, he told me that he's 10 years older than me or 15 years older than me. And so he was one of my first clients when I was 18. And like, I was still in high school when I worked with him. And he asked me, I was like, so what do you want to do after high school? I was like, well, I'll do this. Like, I'll be self-employed. And he was like, that's the right way to do it. And he said a bunch of his classmates, I have not experienced this by myself, but a bunch of his classmates apparently were like, yeah, I want to start a company, but I want to make some money first. I want to work at a real job first. So guess what happens? You work at a real job. You then get a car, probably with a payment. You get a house with a payment. You get a wife. You have kids. Suddenly you have a lifestyle that requires you to bringing X amount. You will not make this amount out of self-employment or entrepreneurship, unless you are very, very lucky. Like for the majority of us, that is not precisely feasible. So out of those people that say they want to do it, but don't really want to do it, very few will actually do it. There are some that will, like Jeff Bezos is a great example. He didn't start Amazon before he turned 40 or so, I believe. Like he was not this like Mark Zuckerberg out of a college storm starting a company person. Um, but very few people actually believe in their idea or their vision or their business enough to jump into it with both feet. Um, like in my own case, I've never been employed for anyone but my own companies. Like, and that can be frustrating too sometimes, especially when you talk to banks about mortgages and stuff, like they are not very happy if you are like, yeah, here's only my own stuff that I, that finances me. But um, unless you, you do it com- committed enough, it's not going anywhere.
1: Yeah. Definitely, and I think that that was something that was really interesting. That I I've always thought of it as you know entrepreneurship or having a real job, and you can't see my air quotes on a podcast, but quote real job. Um, and I always thought of having the corporate job that was the safe route, that was the smart route. That's the what you do if you're responsible and you want to bring in a consistent paycheck and you want to take care of your family. And I had that belief in my head for such a long time. But several times, corporate America has not taken care of me. And I and I think that there is a myth that having a consistent paycheck, that that's job security. There is no such thing as job security. And I think that COVID has proven that. How many people got laid off when the economy went under? there's no such thing as job security. When a company goes under and they have to trim the fat and let people go, if there's no money, there's no money. And multiple times when I, when I first left corporate America and was going to do the whole family thing, and then that fell apart, it was the holiday season when that fell apart. I couldn't get a corporate job anywhere. My degree didn't Matter, my experience didn't matter. The only way that I was able to generate a paycheck and take care of myself was through me, through growing my business, to doing the work and hustling and getting the clients. And then again, when COVID happened, I got laid off from a freelance job. And the only way that I made money was through me, through running my business. And I watched a lot of friends who were laid off from corporate opportunities or furloughed or whatever. And I think it was a very eye-opening experience of truly the only real, quote, job security is to make a job for yourself. There is no such thing as job security if you're working for someone else. And I think that is that is something that I think it's changing a little bit, at least in America. American culture, is that I think we're seeing that more and more as more companies are beginning to start up and more people are beginning to do their own things. I think that we are sort of learning that we have structurally created a society where we get on this conveyor belt and we get a degree and we get a job and we follow all these steps. and. Sometimes we need to do the really scary thing and just solve a problem. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if you have a degree, if you have experience, if you are solving a problem well, you're going to be successful.
0: Right. And um, before I forget, it was very interesting because I remember specifically you and I talking about entrepreneurship in England and you were employed in in san diego at this marketing agency and i remember you very vividly you telling me you literally said i like to live on a budget Mm -hmm. um and when you said that i was just thinking well who doesn't but that that, that's not exclusive like that's not exclusively to like having a full-time job like sure there's some potential stability here and there but um on a bigger scheme i don't like the The idea of safety and security that we have is an illusion in life like and I believe entrepreneurs deal better with a crisis because like we constantly have the lack of safety like when COVID happened like a lot of my friends and people were like yeah, like the job situation. I don't know if I get paid next month for this and that and blah. I was like, well, that's the story of my life. Like I never had that. So um, um, nothing really has changed for me. Like my life is as unstable as it was pre-COVID. So, (laughs) Um, and you, like, as you said, you kind of learn how to deal with that and how to interact with that. And uh, one of the things that I, always remember is and this is a myth i don't know if this is true or not because i don't speak japanese but supposedly i've heard that the word for crisis in japanese is the same word for chance like mm-hmm. this whole concept that a crisis is also a chance um which i think is very important to remember um as entrepreneurs but in life in general the other thing i wanted to say is and you brought this up so remember i come from a different country with slightly different culture and like i look at america as i i'd like to say from an outside perspective though that's not entirely true like my wife is american my kids are american german so like um i'm a lot less german but i'm also not fully american that sort of thing but um the american culture is very idealistically structured like you have this concept of the american dream that you send your kid to school at after birth or so like very early to then do as much school as possible with all kinds of extracurricular go to high school and then go to college get some fancy degree to get a good corporate job that provides you with all the safety and you go through the ranks in the company end up being the VP or the president of the company to then um, switch over to become a Senator and ultimately president or whatever, like something like that is the unspoken idealistic career life path for Americans. And a lot of my friends confirmed this thought, like they, they would say things like I've always felt like I, I didn't do what I was called to do not that anyone would say it by name but there's this like this unspoken expectation of you need to grow bigger better the next big thing um and COVID is exposing and has exposed the flaws of that thinking um but i think it started before i think COVID was just the tipping point so, for example, the kid that I mentioned before that works for me what well, kid is not the right term. It's a young man, but he's nineteen works for me um like he doesn't have a college degree, and when he applied to work for me, I was like, "So tell me about yourself and he was like, "This and that." I said, "What's your academic experience?" And he says, "Well, I have a high school degree from homeschooling, but like I don't have college experience." Um and I was like, "So why not? do you want to go to college?" And he was like, "No, I don't." I said, "Why is that?" He said, "Well." For one, it's expensive, it's outdated, and it's not practical. It doesn't teach me anything that I don't know. And the last one he said, in our field of programming, most successful programmers don't have that because like they aren't successful due to their college degree. In fact, there are more successful programmers that didn't finish college. Um, and like I was sold on him because I was was like, this is the right mindset. Like I don't care for a college degree, because a college degree doesn't teach you how to solve problems. It teaches you how other people solve problems and like pre-choose solutions to you. Um, but it doesn't really teach you how to solve problems. And you can see this shift in American culture where a college degree is becoming a whole lot less valuable. Like Elon Musk, Publicly said, you can apply to any of his companies with no college or even high school, as long as you fit the team and you can solve the problems, you're hired. Um, and sure, Elon Musk is probably one on the, on is more on the extreme side of things, but sometimes just for fun, I look through job offerings. Like I look up at like my bank, what what are their requirements? And I see increasingly frequently things like um, requirements, a bachelor's degree or equivalent work experience. Now that's a very vague term. Like, what is that? What is equivalent work experience? But like, you see this shift in culture where where people realize what we've been taught is safe and secure and prone for success doesn't always isn't always true and there are many factors to it there's cost there's like life situations applicability and all those things but you do see how society is changing um and how entrepreneurs kind of have the upper hand in these situations because they've been used to it very few entrepreneurs pride themselves with their degrees you know like They never looked at that as, oh, this is an important piece. And now due to COVID and everything changing and stuff, it's like everyone else kind of has to catch up to that.
1: Right. Well, and I think one piece of that, too, is that we were sort of in this cultural mindset where you go through the steps, you climb up the ladder and then you're good you have your degree, you have your job, it's kind of taken for granted that you're going to get the promotion. You're going to follow a very linear path in Mm -hmm. life. And I think that a lot of why entrepreneurs haven't felt as affected by crisis is because we have realized there is no such thing as a linear path. Mm -hmm. Life can knock you on your ass anytime. And if we're able to adapt and we're able to problem solve it doesn't throw us as much because we're not scrambling and stressing, trying to make reality fit the only narrative that we know how to tell. We're able to adapt. And I think that that adaptability is really important. And the other thing I think is really interesting that you touched on was I think it's really important to understand our cultural understanding of success and how many of our metrics we might not ever speak out loud, but they're in there because of how we're raised as kids, because of the implicit messages we're receiving. And one of the most interesting things to me about being in England was that I think there were 16 or 18 countries and cultures represented within our team. And What was interesting to me was that that was 16 or 18 different definitions of what success was and even though we were all on the same mission and we all had kind of a similar faith understanding and we were all working towards the same goal there were some very different definitions of how we saw success and what we thought was okay and what wasn't okay And that was really interesting to me to see how different countries and different cultures shaped our understanding of what was appropriate, what was inappropriate, what was a good idea, what was a bad idea. So I think that is, for me, understanding the messages that are floating around, understanding the implicit messages and how culture works has been really helpful. Do you feel like being cross-cultural and seeing, um, you know, Germany, I know in Europe, it's all the countries are kind of sort of connected, even though they're different. So I'm sure you have a better understanding of entrepreneurship in France and England and Scotland and surrounding areas. Do you feel like being exposed to different geographies and different cultures has made you more successful or given you a broader lens of looking at how to define success?
0: Um, So right up front, America is world-class when it comes to entrepreneurship. Like they just is no well there are entrepreneurs from europe but name one company from europe that's like on par with apple or facebook just one the only one that most people don't even know is european would be spotify they're swedish actually but that's like the only one that's sticking out so like in Europe and in Germany specifically, entrepreneurship is not at all the same thing as it is in America. Here in America, entrepreneurship is like, if you say you're self-employed, that's okay. That's, that's a thing. Like people do that. Everyone has someone who's self-employed in their family or so. And like when we bought the house that we bought here, the bank, I mean, it's annoying to deal with them when you're self-employed because they like check everything, but they have processes for that and they know how it works. They've done it before. Like it's, it is very possible. It's annoying, but it's possible. I kid you not, in Germany, you there are like three banks that will give you a loan as a self-employed person so. There are very few options. Like most banks will flat out say, we don't read balance sheets, we cannot give you a loan because the culture is so different. The culture says you have a contract, your employment contract, and that contract binds you to the employer and vice versa. So you ga- cannot be let go quickly. Like you can only be let go at the end of your contract. Um, or the, at the same time, you like, you can't leave them either. So like, it's, it's a much more solid idea of what employment looks like, which allows for some beautiful things. Like you can have vacation times and like there's a very different lifestyle attached to that america doesn't have that so much like you can be fired for
1: you're committed to a job in europe so when you sign up for a job it's you're gonna work for us for five years and you're locked into that
0: potentially yeah like you can obviously ask to be let out and and there you can have in the contract that there are reasons for you to go but you can't just on on like a moment's notice be like yep I'm out. Like they could sue you for that because they were banking on you being there. Um, And it's, it's different in European countries too. Like, I just know that Germany is very particular about it Um, because it is, it gives mutual assurance that you will not leave them and they are, they keep paying you. Um, Obviously there's always a situation that could, throw anyone off like if the company goes bankrupt or whatever like it's it's a little idealized but it's a lot more solid than it is here like in other words if you apply for a mortgage at a bank they just want to know that you're employed somewhere because they know if you're employed they can just get rid of you and you are not just leaving so you will be able to pay your bills um which is very different here um now The downside of this is Germany doesn't really inspire innovation a whole lot. Like people are a lot more into time off and vacation time and having a fixed income and those kinds of things. Whereas in America, it's not even just a desire, but often a necessity like we discussed. Like like you find yourself in a situation where you do not find a job you don't have income social security is a joke most of the time so like it's really one of those situations where you have to be creative and find a solution um and that inspires people and 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 creates companies like apple and facebook and those kinds of things because people are forced into a situation where they have to be creative and come up with stuff um so having a cross cultural understanding i'm like americans can learn a lot about how to treat people well from Europe, and Europe can learn a lot about innovation and how to nurture that because it's not mutually exclusive. And you see this a lot in younger companies and startups too, where they have like like maternal leave and paternal leave, and they are like very supportive outside of what the government requires because they're like, if we take care of our people, they will take care of us. And um, America is adapting there, but that's not corporate, really. That's more like the startup world where you have entrepreneurs and, and younger folks often that look at the status quo and are like, I don't like this. And so they do it differently. Um, and it's, it's cool to see. And I think it would be good for a lot of Germans to go to America and check out how entrepreneurship can be. And that would be really good for them to learn. It would be equally good for Americans to go to Europe and learn about like a healthcare system that doesn't rip you off, for example, like stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I think travel is so important. And that was really, if there was one thing that stood out more than anything from the two weeks that we had all those different cultures represented, it was so enriching to see how 18 different cultures do life. And to be able to have the open-mindedness instead of going in and saying, well, you know, I'm from the best country and our country does it the best way and this is the only way, but to go in and actually listen and learn from others and to say, oh, that's really smart. We could really benefit from making that change. And it was very interesting to me, even priority-wise of listening to, um, one thing that I remember standing out was that In America, we probably have more access to education than anywhere, but I don't think we have the appreciation of it as in other cultures. And it was very eye-opening to hear people from all over the world who spoke two and three different languages and who very fluently not only knew their own countries, histories, geographies, and just all of that, but also knew Americas and also new other countries. And I consider myself fairly intelligent. I like to think that I'm in the the top half of education (laughs) and, you know, caring about life. Um, but it was still, it's very sobering to me when I travel to realize, wow, we are very, we're not as worldly. In America we're very American a lot of the times where we really only see our perspective and I don't know if that's because we are a melting pot so other perspectives are in. This country, Um, but every time I have gone to a different part of the world or even a different part of the country there's huge differences in business and entrepreneurship between New England or California, where I grew up, for example. California didn't really care about education. Nobody asked if I had a college degree or where I went. They wanted to know who I knew and what my experience was. Whereas in New England, you could be 30, 40 years senior VP of a company and the first thing in your bio is still where you got your bachelor's degree. So I think it's very interesting, just different parts of the world, what's important and how we're defining success. And I think that while entrepreneurship is about figuring things out, I think a lot of times it's also about understanding the game and knowing, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, if, if my goal is ultimately to do one thing, maybe I do need a college degree to be able to take these steps to get the connections or to get where I want, or, you know what, I can get there another way. So I think that that's really important to being able to map out what are we actually running after. and are there really steps that we need to take to get there or is there an alternate path? And if we are taking an alternate path, is that going to be more difficult? And are we up for that challenge? And I think that is back to that self-awareness of really understanding what's involved and knowing ourselves well enough to know whether we're committed to finishing the journey so that we don't poop out halfway through the trail.
0: Yeah. um, Those are good points. Um, And it's true. Um, I'm trying to think. So, um, all of what you touched on is is basically around this whole concept of um, what does it take to be successful? Like, how do we like what do we what do we define success as, and how do we get there? And like, the college college is a great example because it's it's culturally so popular in America. Like, you go to England and Germany in other countries and like not having a college degree is perfectly okay. Like a college degree is looked at as like, yeah, if you want to be a math professor, you should go to college. But like, why would a nurse be, need to have a college degree? Like that's, that's a thing you can learn on the job side, you know? Um, and, and another example in that spirit is, um, so when like my college degree added no value to my job whatsoever, like. Um, I got it because I wanted it, but I knew it wouldn't make me any more rich or successful or anything. That was a personal matter, mostly. Um, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. And that's an interesting topic, too, in this spirit, because in, in America, but across the world, I believe, um, being a parent and not having a career is not something that is looked at as a, a fulfilling job. Like, there is this pressure, like, that you need to have a job that's reputable, that's looked upon as something nice or good or whatever, and then you need to have that or your life isn't complete. Like, to to say, yeah, I'm a stay-at-home mom isn't a statement that is perceived as, oh, you got it, you figured it out, this is great. Um and there is like a lack of appreciation for some of these areas where you're like, that really that like that could be different. We don't need to look at it that way. Um, and my wife, she's finishing her college degree now, as she is a mother, um, and sh- that's not something where people look at that as like, oh, this is what success looks like. Like success is if you go to college, you start a career. And children are almost never part of the successful equation. That's like a byproduct or like a side project or so. You need to have a career that's successful and leads you from one thing to the next. If you said, like, I want to I don't I don't want to make money, I just want to raise kids. That's not something people look at as, oh, that's a successful life. But it could be, maybe should be. Like there is no one size fits all. But why is this culturally so tough?
1: I actually had a different experience with that, where growing up in American evangelical culture, being the stay-at-home mom kind of was the success metric. And so for me, it was opposite. And when that got taken away, and I didn't get to be in that role of wife and mom, and I instead had to be an entrepreneur, and I had to create my own business I found that there were a lot of people who did not look at that, like, wow, look at you starting your own business. Look at you generating your own income. I got a lot of pity, like, oh, I'm really sorry that you can't do the wife and mom thing and that you have to work. And for me, it was a very opposite experience. And I think that that in general is a huge problem, I'm sure across the globe, but for sure in America where... We act like you have to pick one. We Mm -hmm. act like you have to be a stay-at-home mom or you have to be just killing it in your job and, you know, vice president, very successful six-figure business owner. And we have these boxes. And even when we meet people, the first thing we ask besides their name is, what do you do? That's the first thing that comes out. We, you know, define yourself in a role and we're kind of subconsciously casting people of okay you're at this place in life so you're probably in this income bracket and you have this skill set and this education set and subconsciously we're forming all these other opinions as we're meeting people but the pressure of having to define ourselves in a single role it's very rare to meet someone who you say you know what do you do well, I am a mom, I run a business, I run, I cook, I, you know, we don't list off all the things we do, we have to pick whatever that top priority role is. And I think that that can be, I think that subconsciously can push us to narrow our definition of success, because now we have this one priority role that we're focused on filling.
0: And it's very like I like how you how you bring this up and how you talk about it because like you're right like what I describe to you is the perspective of my wife who grew up in uh, South Carolina but like for like she always perceived it as like sure kids and family that's almost a given but you're really successful if you do blank or whatever you know like there is this like um. This cultural expectation of like you need to go to college get a degree work for disney and whatever like have these these huge dreams and aspirations but i like when you said that i was like it's true because there is like people have a problem if you if you have one side and not the other so like if you are a stay-at-home mom the pressure is that you are not a successful career woman and you are probably in a male chauvinistic household and you know like all the stereotypes of like why women have the shorter end of the stick which they arguably do that's not my point but like you know what I mean like it's like you are either the submissive housewife or you are this feministic career killing woman and if you are that then people will say well why wouldn't you have kids like then the other side like the the grass is the grass is always greener on the other side like you can't pick right if it if you pick one of the two yeah. um which is kind of sad because it shouldn't be an either or and on that topic since we bring it up i read an article that talked about that that's the biggest struggle for women that men don't have men don't have to pick a man can have a successful career and have kids but that's almost never the case for women um which limits at least perceivably limits their outcome in life in terms of success
1: yeah and there it's very difficult when there is judgment on either side where if you choose to work well now there's judgment of you're not staying home with your kid. You're not raising your child. You're letting a stranger raise your child. And there's all this pressure. And then if you stay at home, like, oh, so you just, like, what do you do? Like, watch cartoons all day? Like, you don't, you don't have a real job. You don't do anything. And it there is a lot of pressure in that. And I think that it's so important for us to step back and really think about making success personal like, yes, there's always going to be objective metrics, but personally, for me, what makes me successful and what makes me happy, and there will always be opinions from everyone on whether I am successful or whether I'm failing, depending on what lens they're looking at me through, but at the end of the day, if I'm trying to appease all of that, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to end up in a nut house because I'm trying Mm -hmm. to meet 15 different standards of success. And that is impossible. But if I can look at my life and say, you know what? My life is balanced across all these areas. I am doing a job and getting income, doing something that I feel like I was created to do, it's fulfilling. I, you know, if I want to create a family and that opportunity arises, I can do that. I'm keeping my health in check. I have a lot of fun. I like to explore. If we can keep all of this in balance, at the end of the day, that's what really makes us successful. It's not about finding success in work and family and all these different areas. It's about knowing that when my head hits the pillow at the end of the night, I'm pretty satisfied that I'm a successful human and that my life is meaningful and enjoyable.
0: And I think like all of what you're saying is true. I believe that for some reason, and I don't know why, but that women are a lot more exposed to judgment and maybe even so perceivably on their own account. Like they may not be actually judged, but they think that they're judged or so because men typically don't think in those terms in my experience like if a man says oh yeah i'm i don't want to really do have a career i'm fine being like the postman or not saying that postman is a bad job but like i'm fine not going up the corporate ladder um that there's very little judgment there kind and that is probably more the arrogance of other men because they're like well good for you i don't care you know (laughs) like this, like you live in your own island so you're not very concerned about other people Mm -hmm. um but um yeah i mean what is successful in 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 life because I ask myself that too. I see like other people that are younger than me and they have companies that they brought to the stock market now and stuff like that. Like, dang, that's what I wanted to do that. But I'm also like, I have two kids and I spend time with them and I have a wife and we get along great. Like what really matters because at the end of the day and at the end of the life of my life, no one will ask me how many companies I brought to the public markets or, you know, like no one will care about some, a lot of the things that culture pops up as like props up as like these major goals that everyone should hit. Um, and I'm not saying that it that has to be family or kids or, you know, like some people don't have kids and that's great. Like, that's good for them. Um, And hand in hand with that, which I wanted to touch on, because you brought it up is like these stages in life. So like my wife and I, we have little kids now. So no, my body is not the beach body that like, not that I really desire that, but I'm like, I could be in better shape. You know, like that, there's definitely this stage of like, in this stage in my life, I can't do it all. I can't be the person who runs a business as a involved husband and dad is physically fit and repairs the house and does all the things. It's like, I'm more, I'm successful-ish in almost all these areas, which is when you approached me about talking about this and you asked, I was thinking like, it's such as entrepreneurs, but as me personally too, like, I'm not very great at any single one thing. I'm okay in many things. I'm good at some things but like the balance which you mentioned too is what makes it like that's the mix like that's me I'm not very good in programming I'm not very good in accounting and I'm not very good in running a business I'm pretty okay in these things and the combination makes that a, a fairly successful piece but there isn't this single one thing that sticks out as measure of success or measure of um, how good I'm at it, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely, and I think that that, that's an important point to touch on if we do tend to think of running after success in one particular category. And I, I don't know that it makes us successful just to sort of dabble in everything and never have any kind of work ethic or real passion for anything. But I think if we have a focus, On what we're doing, and our focus is our overall success, we can take that stress off. We don't have to be perfect at everything. If we're moving forwards towards that life goal of having a successful life, we're successful. If I can go to bed at the end of the day and feel like I lived the best of my ability today, and I'm a better person today than I was yesterday, and I'll be a better person tomorrow than I was today, it's not about It's not about giving up or having defeat or sort of not showing up in life. It's not about just sitting in the middle and saying, eh, good enough. It's about recognizing that we have the freedom to choose what makes us successful. We have the ability to really think about what is going to make our life worth living and to create that life intentionally every day without burning ourselves out in the process.
0: Um, Yeah um it 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 struck me when you were saying that um how like my wife and i deliberately decided for her when we figured out we were pregnant with our first like i didn't want to be like and i wasn't like oh so you stay home and i have a career um but we were like like it was like we have a kid. The kid is important. Like we are not just shoving the kid to some daycare so we can live our careers. Like, no. So my wife was like, okay, I'll stay home with the kid. That makes more sense economically. That That's, um, I am okay with that. We will do that. And her college career took a backseat. She's still finishing that. Um, But this whole concept of like, we don't need to do it all at once. We have different stages and we can do things at different times. And sometimes things take longer and are different. My aunt, for example, she had kids when she was very young and she didn't go to college until in her late forties, I believe. And she became a high school teacher and she's teaching now and her kids are out of the house and it's all great. And she enjoys life. Like she would probably consider her life very successful, it wasn't successful if you compare it to what American dream tells you success looks like. Um, but like, as we talk about it, like there, I believe we should challenge the status quo and the cultural expectation to be more open to do things that are right. Even if they are not what culture says it should be necessarily.
1: Yeah. I think that's a huge part of success is living our lives for us and not for someone else. And I don't know that there is a black and white, like the example of daycare, stay at home mom is a great example. There are some people who they are a more successful mom. If their kid goes to daycare, if they Mm -hmm. have a career to focus on, they are teaching their kids entrepreneurship. They're teaching their kids how to run a business. They're teaching their kids how to create a legacy. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. There are other people who are much more successful staying at home. And I think that it's so important to know where we're at. And that was something for me too. And obviously I I didn't end up having kids. And so I can't speak from that perspective, but that was something that I grew up with the definition of, I have to stay at home with my kids. That's the only way to be a successful mom. And when it actually came down to it, I realized, you know what? I don't know that I would be a great mom if I stayed home with my kids, I think I would go a little crazy. I think that I have, I, I'm not wired that way. It makes me more successful to be in the world of running a business. Uh,
0: uh, In in full transparency. My wife is like you in that way. Like my wife and me too. We are both not baby lovers. Mm -hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. I love my kids and I love them as babies too but they're a lot more fun when they're four than, than they're four days old, you know? Like, And like my wife, she studies in part to have an, an equalizer, like, because it isn't, like, she isn't the person who loves to stay home and take care of babies. Like, that's not at all what she wants to do. That's what she opts to do in many ways, but like, she studies, so there, there is a balance. She sends the kids to grandparents, so that she has some time to do stuff like they uh, it's, it's more or less just like a focus of like what is most important now. So sure, college takes three years longer than it should have. That's okay. That's a cost we are willing to pay because it's more important to us to have our kids raised a specific way than to have a bachelor's degree that as we discussed isn't worth all that much. You know, like there's, yeah. You you discover and you talk about and figure out this is how you want to do life, um, and sometimes it just goes completely against what culture tells you. Like in your case, where you're like you grew up having the expectation of being a stay at home mom, and that didn't work out. Um, and it's very interesting that we have these two competing sites in the same country, um, with like these subcultures portraying these ideals to you and others and to be fair i think men have that too like most men want to go up in their career and have like these um these idolized versions of what life should look like and in reality it almost never does so there is this this cultural pressure um but like you said like we're not we shouldn't live to fulfill other people's ideas of our lives like that's not the point
1: right well and at the end of the day nobody's going to be successful in that picture either because we're never going to be able to live to someone's expectations perfectly because we're not mind readers and we're never going to be successful if we're living a life that isn't ours because we're never going to fully fill that role Mm -hmm. that, that is really important that we define it for ourselves and We could probably easily keep talking about so many of these different topics (laughs) for hours. Um, But Ralph, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and expertise in entrepreneurship and uh, finding that balance in life. And for anyone listening, we would love to hear your story and your perspectives on this. Shoot us an email at embrace the ish at gmail.com or hang out with us online at successfulish.com or Facebook, Instagram at embrace the
2: ish. Success and failure, none of opposite ends. Curveball hits, gotta know where to bend. The attitude will affect destination and if you determines when you're gonna make it. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successful-ish. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Hey, ish successful Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions I see. I'm successful Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up hey, my sleeve. I- successful-ish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish, pick up the weight, press on and act on the visions I see. I'm Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope wait. Then I roll up my sleeve. Hey. I just wait on my arms, need both flex. And this race but behind me, most steps. Had to sort the learning curve, hope I don't crash. Hit your nerves when reserves got low cash. When I fail, realize that it won't last. You made it through in the past, just look back. Successful ish, you can see how the contrast layers and wins. Use the past and I bounce back. You can never win if you never go and do it. Figure is a hard road, rarely ever cruising. Embracing all my wins with a handful of losing. Expect the drought season when the plans going fluent. I can never really fail us all how you view it. It's all a lesson, just depends how you use it. Gather all the data and keep it all exclusive. Never ending journey and the growth is therapeutic. <laughs> my identity is not in what you see. I am the better me. Mistakes others make icy. I see been of me. Come back to others is an insult to tragedy. We will make unique, gotta use a user gift collectively. Broke down my goals when a few lift close Can't take them back, cause you already spoke them. Easily regressive, you don't stay focused. Focus. Live between since I said you Successfully, another day, another task. Think fast, with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see. i successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, with then I run up my sleeve. I- another day, another task. Think fast, with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see. i successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back. Reinvest hope with, then I roll up my sleeve